Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 22, and we will read the first 14 verses. Matthew chapter 22, entitled The Parable of the Wedding Feast. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads, and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads, and gathered all, all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came, came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So far our scripture reading this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on His Word this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask that You would fulfill what You have promised in Psalm 45. That You would adorn Your bride with beauty and grace as we hear and listen to Your Word. That Your Spirit would implant this Word in our souls that it may be productive in our lives. Help us in this way to receive Your Word as a means of grace, that we may be more and more conformed to Your Son. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our text illustrates some of the things that we've been considering in our sermons from Daniel 7 with regard to the anticipation of the kingdom of God and how it has been established through the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. That it is already here in the rule of Jesus Christ, and yet we pray as well that it, while it's not here in its fullness, that it would come as Jesus taught us to pray. So it is here. And we've recognized that the character of the kingdom is that it's a realm of saving power. A realm where the Spirit is active, applying the work of Christ and delivering sinners from their sins. That those who, who are by nature children of wrath 
may be reconciled to God, because it is by grace you have been saved. So it's a realm of saving power where the king applies the salvation he has secured. And then in our Westminster Confession uh, series, as we've gone through the Westminster Confession of Faith, we've been looking at God's plan and his work of predestination. And we've learned from Romans 8, verse 30, that there is a golden chain of the application of salvation. And Romans 8, verse 30 reminds us that those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. That's the golden chain of salvation where God is applying salvation to souls. Those whom he predestined, he called. And then he justified and he glorified. I think it's that outworking of calling to justification to glorification that this parable illustrates very well. How in grace and sovereign grace, sufficient grace, God is drawing to himself those whom he's chosen from all eternity, to believe in Jesus Christ and to be citizens of his kingdom, which is the realm of his saving power. And that's what the parable is about. The kingdom is like a king who gives a feast for his son. As we consider this kingdom feast this morning, I'd like us to consider, first of all, the call, secondly, the participation, and thirdly, the consequences. It follows the order in which the parable is given to us. It starts with the call, which is a summons to participate. Let's think about this call for a moment. How many are oblivious to it? It's like a, a holiday Michelle and I went on, or a flight. It wasn't a holiday. We were, we were going for other reasons. Michelle and I had an interesting flight one time to Melbourne a number of years ago. At this time, there was Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, uh, The School of Rock, that was playing in Auckland. It was showing in Auckland. And we were flying to Melbourne, and seated next to Michelle was the lead actor in the musical. And so Michelle struck up a conversation with him, and, and he relayed why he was in Auckland as a lead actor. And we didn't know him, didn't know the production was on, didn't have a clue as to who this guy was. That's how it is. Then there was another man. Another man who people were coming up to him and taking selfies, talking with him. And again, we didn't know him from a bar of soap. Until we were traveling around the city, Melbourne, and at the arena on a billboard was his picture. Israel Adesanya, of all people. Still didn't know him. But he's a rising star. If you don't know him, he's a rising star. He's a significant Kiwi who's, who's made a name for himself, and he boasts he has a name globally, which is bigger than the All Blacks, just to give you a sense of who this guy is. 
We were surrounded by stars on this plane and completely oblivious. Didn't know at all who they were. Didn't have a clue. And the same thing happens with the kingdom of God. It's easily overlooked. It's hard to detect. And yet it's really present. More so than those superstars who were on our flight. Now we need to be careful, because while the kingdom of God is easily overlooked, the point of this parable is that when the kingdom of God was established, that the the king sent an invitation for the wedding of his son, and this wedding feast, there, there wasn't ignorance. The people weren't clueless like we were on the flight. They were actually very well informed. If you read our text carefully, you'll notice that there were at least three notifications. Because it begins that that he gave a wedding feast and he sent his servants to call those who were invited. So, So before the servants went and called, they had already previously been invited. And that's how it happened in those days. There was was the the word going out that the son of the king is getting married and there's going to be a wedding feast. They didn't have diaries and day planners like we do, so they wouldn't mark it on their calendars, but they were aware somewhere in the future, somewhere down the line, the king's son is going to have a wedding feast. And then, verse 3, he sent his servants to call those who were previously invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And yet undeterred, there's another invitation, so that would be two invitations. Then there's at least a third invitation. When the food is ready, again, he sent out other servants. So so they'd gone out two times then, and and no one had come. Then the third time, when the, the, the oxen are killed and the fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready, he sends out other servants saying, tell them everything's prepared. It's in the fire being cooked, come quickly. And they didn't. And they didn't come because they were ignorant. They didn't come because they were indifferent. They didn't care. They were too busy with other things. They were more important than this wedding feast. Business, farm, daily ventures, and some hostility. Killing the servants who were calling to the feast. They didn't come because they despised the king. They didn't care about But the king, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed them. But then he recognized as well that he wanted his wedding filled. And so he invites others. Here's the wonder of this king. He's, his plan, it's not going to be frustrated. We can't fully grasp it, but we know that he can accomplish his purpose. And verse 9 and 10 shall, shows us his generosity and his goodness and his graciousness. He says, go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads 
and they gathered the people in. So the wedding hall was filled. And this, beloved people of God, is the call of the kingdom. It's a summons of the king to repent and believe. It's the summons that God had issued through John the Baptist. It's the summons who, before that, God had issued through the prophets. It's the summons that God had given through His Son, Jesus Christ. Repent and believe because the kingdom of God has come. And that is the call that you need to heed and hear this morning. God is calling you through His Word this morning to repent and believe because the King has come. Now we need to recognize what is meant as, as the, the parable unfolds that there is good and bad, or bad and good, who are brought into the wedding hall. We're, we're given instruction on that earlier in, in Matthew 21. Listen to what is said there, that it, it's not a moral character, but it's, it's a reflection of, of those who are being brought in. In Matthew 21, In verse 31b, it says this. Jesus is interacting with the the Pharisees. And he says, Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Notice the word order in verse 10. Both bad and good. It's the very word order that Jesus is using. Tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now that's the bad. Here's the good. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. I would suggest that the good are those righteous saints of the Old Testament, like John, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like Joseph and Mary, who are waiting and yearning for the appearance of the king, that when they hear, they celebrate the arrival of the king because it means the salvation of their souls. And the bad, it's those who who the Pharisees look down upon as completely unworthy, but Jesus as the king recognizes that they are perfectly worthy because they heeded the call and they went into the kingdom of God before the Pharisees and the scribes. That's the greatness of God's summons to this supper, to this feast, and now this morning to the Lord's Supper. For those who in repentance and faith come to Christ, Here's the wonder of this this spiritual provision for your souls that the Holy Spirit will feed your faith. That this is the kingdom feast that the Spirit will use to strengthen your soul, to celebrate. To celebrate the accomplishment of of the King. But then secondly, if that's the call, secondly, the the participation. And there are those who went, but then I'd like us to focus on this man who doesn't have the right garments. He looked around, and there was a man who had no wedding garment. And so he's thrown out. Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth to destruction. 
And he's thrown out, not because he dismissed the invitation, but because he's not dressed properly. We need to remember that those who were invited were coming from the highways and the byways. It was those who were poor, destitute, broken, who didn't have the connections and wouldn't have come. They came immediately. They wouldn't have had the time for the preparation. And with all those who came without the appropriate garments, the king would stand at the door and he would provide them with the wedding garments because there's this recognition of provision for the wedding garments. And here is the graciousness of the king. Everything they needed to enjoy this feast, he would provide. But this man, he comes in and he thinks that his garments are good enough. He thinks of his own merit and his own accomplishments. And earlier we talked about the golden chain of salvation and there's the calling and that's the previous point. Then there's the justification and and we recognize in the chain of salvation those whom he called he justified. And that is just as essential as the invitation and the call. And it once more focuses our faith that we all have, we all have this morning on the need, the desperate need we have of the garments of Christ's righteousness. That's what justification is all about. Only His sacrifice can pay the penalty for our sins. Only His death on the cross could bear the judgment that our sins deserve. And our sins, God has imputed and and placed upon Him and credited to His account so that He is completely judged upon the cross, that His body is broken and His blood was shed because of our sin. But it's also His righteousness. So there's His sacrifice and His obedience. And it's only His obedience that can fulfill God's demands. That glorious garment of Christ's righteousness bears with the penalty, bears with the perfect righteousness. And that's what God gives to us in grace. And that's why we can participate. And that's why if we're clothed in those robes of righteousness in Christ's justification, that we can come and participate in faith. It's not because of what we have done, but because of what He has done. That God calls us to participate. This is why when you come to the table this morning, there are some qualifications. You must discern the body of Christ. You must be aware of what it means to belong to the church of Jesus Christ, that this is His kingdom presence. If you don't, you eat and drink judgment to yourself if you don't discern the body of Christ. This is why we supervise the table. It's because we love you. Because the elders want what's best for your soul and God has requirements for participation that we cannot minimize, we cannot reduce. You need to know your sin and misery. You need to know how great your guilt is. 
You need to know and live in the work of Jesus Christ. You need to recognize His grace and the fullness of His satisfaction. You need to claim that and cling to that and declare that as your own. By faith, you need to testify that He, He only is your righteousness and He always is your righteousness. And you need to live for Him with grateful service that your life reflects the fact and you have a new king you're not under the ruler of this world any longer but you're serving the king of kings and the lord of lords he is your savior and your lord and with grateful service it is your delight and your privilege to walk with him you need to be a part of the body of christ his church you need to be in good standing. Because 1 Corinthians 11 warns that unworthy participation is spiritually destructive. Because this kingdom feast is not to be judged by appearances, but by the truth of God's Word. And for those who come in repentance and faith, God says, I'll feed you in ways you can't imagine. But for those who don't, we have to say, beware. Beware. Please refrain from participation. Because the king is not mocked. And thirdly, the consequences. The calling, the participation, the consequences. God's kingdom works in such a way that there are certain results. The golden chain reminds us of this. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. It's all God's work. That he who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. Here's the, the privilege and, and the blessing that, 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 that this is a foretaste of that eternal fellowship that we will have with our God, the glory of the presence and the participation and the friendship and the fellowship that here we come to commune with God and to commune with each other. Those who come with the King's provision will celebrate the life they have through the Son and will anticipate that, that glorious day when the King will return and we will sit down together with Him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's also a warning. A warning. It's a twofold warning. That those who reject the call, those who reject the call, not out of ignorance, but out of indifference, out of being overwhelmed with the things of this world and being more concerned with the things of this world than the things of God, of paying no attention and not responding to the Lord's call to come to Christ, to repent and believe, they are destroyed. That's one warning. But there's another warning for those who don't clothe themselves in the work of Christ. They too will be cast out to eternal destruction. Without calling, without justification, in Christ, there will be no glorification. 
And that's the framework and the context in which Jesus is teaching this parable. Because he's, he's, constant, he's being questioned at this point as, as his hour is drawing near for his crucifixion and the Pharisees are coming and saying, Jesus, Jesus, why are you doing it? What gives you the right? What gives you the authority? And he's been with them for three years teaching and showing them the wonder of who he is as the Son of God or the Son of Man who has come to establish this kingdom. And they keep questioning, why should we follow you? And he's warning them. Jesus is calling his listeners, he's calling you today to realize your complete need of him. And where you do, he says, come in and welcome and feast and feed your souls with my work. Because that will sustain you into eternity. But be warned, if you think you can find that satisfaction for your soul somewhere else. This is a parable that declares the saving power of the King to those who are lost and dead in their sins and misery. It's a call to hear and to heed the King. I think we need to narrow this just a little bit. So certainly it applies to salvation. And, and that is the main focus. That is the main focus. If you don't hear anything else for this morning, please hear this. Christ is calling you to be saved through His work. Calling you to repentance and faith in Him. Calling you to find in Him the perfect salvation and the powerful King who can do what He has promised. But there's further developments of this, and we can narrow this a bit as we, we focus and, and sharpen the point just a little bit. To the church, to us as a congregation, in our worship, it's a summons for you to come and worship. Each worship service is the place where the King sustains you with His Word. It's beautiful, isn't it, what we've sung in Psalm, Psalm 45, from number 422. O royal bride, give heed, and to my words attend. For Christ the King, forsake the world, and every former friend. Thy beauty and thy grace shall then delight the King. Imagine a bride on the day of her wedding. She's got the appointment with the hairdresser and the makeup artists, because they are artists, aren't they? And she says, oh, sorry, I want to go to the beach. Or I've got some time with my friends that I'd like to spend. I don't need that adornment. I'm beautiful enough. And ladies, you are beautiful enough without the makeup. Funny that the guys don't do that yet, isn't it? But you get the point. I hope. Thy beauty and thy grace shall then delight the King. The King Jesus loves to see you. Sitting under His Word. Listening to Him. Having your soul adorned with the truth. With the truth. 
of His work, with the truth of His accomplishment. Do you see the danger of excusing yourself? We need to further narrow this application with the call of the sacrament. It's a call of the King to the banquet for your soul. And I would like to encourage our children and our youth to listen to the King. He's given you glorious promises. Glorious truths. He signed and sealed those promises to you in your baptism. And that baptism is never designed to be an end in and of itself. It's always designed to lead you here to the table. For you to see and to know your King and to say, yes, I recognize Christ has done everything. I don't have anything in my hands to offer. I am the person who's, who's lived in the wayside, who doesn't belong at the wedding. But God in His grace is calling and summoning you and He's given you these promises. I'm your God. You're my people. You belong with me. I love you. Come to the fellowship. And some of you, I know you're not ready. You need to get your heart sorted out. You need to get your life sorted out. But don't keep putting it off. Tend to it today. And some of you aren't living for the King. And the path you're on is deadly, not because you can't come to the table, but because you are distancing yourself from the Lord. It will destroy your soul. Today, the King summons you. Come. The Lord summons you. We heard that, didn't we? The call to worship. What a beautiful way. Come to me. All you, you are trying to accomplish it by yourselves. You who think, well, I, I need to be better. Come. And I will give you rest. The feast is prepared. The call is now. Repent and believe. Come. The King will provide what you need to overcome your hindrances. And when we come to the table, we don't come because we're so strong. We come because we're so weak. And we know that our King is our strength. That's the kingdom feast. Amen.